Welcome to the Vergecast, the flagship podcast of Overdone Brand Activations. I'm your friend David Pierce, and I am at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. Just to give you a mental image of exactly what that means, I am at the corner of 4th Street and Congress Avenue, one of the main parts of downtown Austin, and I'm at a Porsche booth. It's this big, beautiful blue booth with a bunch of Porsches inside. One of them has an inflatable duck sticking out for reasons I don't totally understand. And then, just for fun, out front, there is a roughly 25-foot-tall Optimus Prime statue that is just unbelievably lifelike. Right next to an unbelievably lifelike and probably 15 feet tall King Kong statue. It's the Porsche booth. I don't understand it either. But I do know that I just was forced to move by somebody who wanted to take pictures. So I guess it's working. Anyway, we have an awesome show for you today. It's actually an episode we recorded live at South by Southwest at Slacks HQ in Austin. It's a fun show. You give us a live audience, things are going to get kind of weird. We talk a lot about the moon and your photos of the moon and whether if you use a Samsung phone to take photos of the moon, you're actually taking photos of the moon or photos at all. It gets really heady really fast. We also talk about Silicon Valley Bank and what it means that the source of money for so much of the tech industry feels like it has just disappeared out from under people. We also talk about AI, the other thing everybody's talking about at South by Southwest. ChatGPT and Bard and Bing and prompt engineers and what all of this is going to mean for the tech industry going forward. And then we take a couple of questions. It's all extremely delightful. It's a super fun episode. I'm very excited for you to hear it. But first, I need coffee. South by Southwest is not conducive to getting a lot of sleep. We'll be right back. This is The Vergecast. See you in a second. Support for today's show comes from Deloitte. What does the future look like? By melting business acumen and innovative technology, Deloitte can help you build the future only you can imagine. They can help engineer solutions for your business reality today and your vision for tomorrow to get you to a world where you don't just dream it, you build it. See how you can engineer advantage with Deloitte at Deloitte.com slash US slash engineering advantage. All right, I'm back in the studio. I have coffee. Everything's going to be okay. So let's get into the episode, shall we? So picture this. It's mid-afternoon. It's like 75 degrees and everybody in Austin is slowly boiling alive in the sun. We're recording live at Slack HQ, which is on a street corner in downtown Austin. Everybody just had lunch, and Neelai, Alex, and I just sat down on a small stage near the back of the festivities. And now, it's Vergecast time. Hello, and welcome to Vergecast, the flagship podcast of enterprise software. It's going to be a rip-roaring ride through your SaaS business model, (laughs) which is definitely not at danger because of Silicon Valley Bank. It's great. We're very excited you're here. I'm your friend, Neelai. Alex Kranz is here. I'm your friend who really loves the moon today. We're going to get into it. David Pierce is here. Hi. I've been awake since 1 a.m. I'm not 100% sure where I am right now. It was 2 a.m. earlier. to see all of you. It's good. David is back. Give a hand for David. He's back after uh, having a child. He was on break. This is your first trip with as new dad. Yep. My wife is sending me like once an hour on the hour, like adorable pictures of my child just to remind me of what I'm missing. It's really, <laughs> it's, it's fun and great. The child is not replaced by AI. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got to start with, I think, the most verge cast thing that has ever happened in the history of our show, which is like 15 years. And it's the moon. <laughs> so I just, I just want to say real quick, 
we had a whole plan for this show. And then like 12 minutes ago, Neli ends up on Reddit and he's like, did you see the thing about the moon? All we right. have to talk about it. If you are a listener of our show, you know that a, a core question that we've been asking for several years now is what is a photo? I don't know the answer to that question. Neither does anyone else, it appears. Samsung has an answer, which is, I don't know, we're just going to copy and paste the moon into the photos when you take a picture of the moon and replace the moon with AI. Yeah. The most, what is a photo? So what, when people think they're taking a photo, most people are still trapped in the 1920s paradigm of pushing a button, the shutter goes up, the light hits the film, then you have to drive to Walgreens and your parents' 92 Honda Civic, hand the film to someone, they do some magic with chemicals, and then you get photos back. Very specific. That's what, that's what happens inside your office. Yes, yeah. that's correct. <laughs> that is no longer what has been happening on these phones for years now, right? The, there's all this computational photography. We're merging frames. The phone is already taking pictures well before you push the button. And so you just get to this place where you have no idea what a photo is. Like it's impossible to define a photo as a representation of reality or even light that is happening in the moment. And then there's Samsung. Yeah. Okay. Let me explain what's going and on. I'm, very, Samsung here. I'm upset about the moon. So, <laughs> you're just in your feelings right now. So, okay. So Samsung, it's a large company. Uh, they make phones. Lots of people own them. Uh, this S23 Ultra is like normally with the Ultra phone, Samsung does like at least between one and six like insane things. Yeah. Uh, and this time, what they did with the S23 Ultra was say you can take photos of the moon. So it has a hundred x zoom, specifically designed. There's like a moon mode on the S23 Ultra because that's what people buy phones to do now is take pictures of the moon. It looks cool like you take a picture of the moon very far away and it's like oh there's like it renders the moon fairly successfully sharply and very sharply and there have been companies namely huawei that have tried to do things like this in the past and what it turned out they were doing is essentially like understanding that you were taking the picture of a moon and then like downloading the moon onto your phone and being like look here's the picture you took <laughs> and samsung it turns out uh is doing roughly the same thing so there was this redditor i think it was i break phones is there name on reddit i'm sorry to the redditor if i'm getting that wrong so basically what they did to test this was they downloaded a high-res picture of the moon and then down-resed it to i think 170 by 170 so they have this like teeny tiny little very sharp picture of the moon and then they applied a blur to it on purpose to make the photo blurry and then they went across the room and with the samsung phone took a picture of this blurry picture like deliberately blurry picture of the moon that they had downloaded and zoomed in and zoomed way in at 100x uh, a picture of a blurry moon and Samsung's AI processes it for a while as it does and pops up this like beautifully sharp, highly rendered picture of the moon. Uh, and this person is like, I didn't even take a picture of the moon. I took a picture <laughs> of a blurry circle that you decided is the moon. And now here we are. So this has now set off a whole thing where. You're what is when, a photo? We, yeah. Uh, yeah. And there were the first comment, there was a, somebody covered this and the very first comment was, you're better off just downloading from Google images than taking photos yourself. And it's kind of like, yeah, you, you might yeah. be. Like, there's a lot of good pictures of the moon out there. And the theory is basically Samsung was able to basically train an AI on lots of pictures of the moon, figure out the what you're shooting and just download the moon on top of the blurry photo that it pretends is a sharp photo. Do you think if we took a picture of somebody with like face paint to make their face look like the moon, it would just give us it a picture of the moon. the moon. So there were people who tried to recreate this with things like ping pong balls and stuff like that and didn't get it to work. So there, there is some oh. line at which but they didn't the S23 Ultra goes moon and, <laughs> and, and makes it moon. Uh, and no one has figured out exactly where it tips there. But it is Samsung has not acknowledged one way or the other where this is happening. But like the evidence is super damning 
that Samsung is basically saying, you would like to take a picture of the moon. We can't do that good, so we're going to download a good one, and you're just going to have it now. Okay, so here's a number of questions I have for you. Okay. I'm losing my mind That's about all this. I know, so I, <laughs> okay. I have nothing else for you. We can all agree that the moon is real. Can I don't we? know, man. It's Texas. It's South by Southwest. There's <laughs> like crystal people walking the streets. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's good. We'll start there. Like facts, you know, Texas. Assuming yeah. the moon is real. Assuming the moon is real. Did we land on it? There's Who no knows? Proof. But moon, Assuming. real. Baseline assumption, there is a moon in the sky. Sure. I don't, you know, fine. Yeah. The moon is tidally locked, the earth, right? Yes. So when you look at the moon, you're almost always looking at the same thing. Yeah. Okay, so if you think a photo is I push the shutter and it collects light and then shows me a representation of reality, and you point any camera at the moon, the moon is unchanged. So all the ca- all the photos are similar? Well, no, it's not that. It's just like, well, you definitely took a photo of the moon. Yeah. It's just uh-huh. your camera's better or worse. <laughs> and if the camera's like, I know what you're trying to do. And I it puts you. the moon there. Did it lie? It's doing you a solid. I think it's That's like it's helping. You could argue this is like a successful feature that Amazon Yeah, Samsung I was like, did. I've taken many blurry photos of the moon. I would like this flex. I would like to just show my friends. Look at this sick photo I took. But that's, but so that's I, 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 I lie. I just want to be clear. No, because I now held it up. You are lying. I held it up and then I went <laughs> boop and I took the photo. So it counts. But you held it up and you might as well have been like, Siri, I, show I me the moon. If I hit the button, it counts, right? <laughs> That's, That's what, what Samsung is saying, this and I is, agree with them. This is the, the world historical what is a photo problem. <laughs> well, you can just walk the streets asking people if the moon is real now. First of all, that's incredible. And then you can be like, how do you take a picture of the moon? What is a picture of the moon? What is a photo? What is the moon? And you just keep going down the line, and it, it lands at, well, I can just look at any picture of the moon and that is a representation of my reality yes. whenever I am looking at the moon. Yes. Because the, as far as I understand it, the moon remains unchanged. We found common ground. There's a transformer on the backside of the moon, but we haven't photographed <laughs> that yet. Don't look back there. I, just, I don't know how Samsung is going to address this issue. Because if they wanted to, they could be like, we need to sit down and talk about the nature of reality before we address whether or not we are gluing the moon under your photos. What if they just start downgrading all the photos? You just open it one day and all your photos are terrible. <laughs> They're like, oh, this is what you said you want? Here, have your blurry moon You want moon the real photos. thing? Yeah, garbage moon filter applied. It's like the opposite of that TikTok filter that makes you pretty. It's like you're just a shit moon now. I mean, this is like, to me, fundamentally, all of these cell phone cameras... Uh, let's ask this audience this question. I think my iPhone is starting to take, like... Not bad photos. They're objectively very good. They just look fake, right? All the shadows are pulled up way too high. The brights are too bright. There's like all this HDR going on. Uh, no one's faces has sh- any contrast in them in any modern cell phone photo. So everyone looks like they have that TikTok filter on all the time. And you take a photo with a normal camera that just opens the shutter and does its thing. You're like, oh, this is, there's like an artisticness to it. Mm-hmm. Because you, as a human being, perceive shadows, and now your camera is like, fuck shadows. Yeah. And like, I'm just starting starting to tire of like computational photography in this way. Well, it's a very like lowest common denominator thing, right? Because there's like, they did all this work to make sure that you can't take bad photos. Right. And that is largely true. Like the night modes on the, the pixel phones are incredible. I can still take a bad The iPhone photo. stuff is incredible. Well, you, not of the moon. Yeah, yeah, not. Not. <laughs> I forgot to ask it's my illegal. question to this audience. Are you guys feeling that in the crowd? We're like, it's getting weird. We're getting some head nods. Everybody here seems to be like, yeah, they're weird now. You're all wrong. The person behind our producer is like, I love my iPhone. He's like <laughs> ready to rush the stage. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, I love my iPhone too. But there's a point at which 
I stopped using my RX 100 uh-huh. because the iPhone was like really good. And I was like, this is not quite worth all the extra effort. And it's now. You've gone back. I've gone back because I'm like, these photos are just looking weird. Yeah. And you can't like quite turn it off. And I think this moon situation, this is America's greatest crisis. (laughs) The moon situation. situation. (laughs) (laughs) I have been completely rocked by Samsung putting clip art of the moon on the photos. I need Janet Yellen to weigh in on this. Because the moon is unchanged. (laughs) They're not lying to you. That is what the moon looks like when you take a photo of it. It's your photo of the moon. All photos are the same photo. Yeah, we got a little bit of a lie. It's yeah. not a lie. It's she true. thinks it's a real lie. She's like, yes. Yes, get thank you. Thank you for the I'm score. I'm Biden on this. It is a lie in the sense that it's not what your camera is seeing. It is what the moon looks like, but that's... I'm trying to take a picture of the moon, not like download a picture of the Yeah, it's only lying when Alex is like, look at this sick photo of the moon I took. Yeah. That's when I definitely... Yeah, right. Okay, we got to stop talking about... if you this. run around with your photos saying, is this the moon? Then then you're on Liam something. has threatened to make a subscription version of the podcast that's just me finishing the rants, like trailing off into oblivion. <laughs> uh, we're thinking about... But I know we have to move on. We have other stuff to talk about. We should talk about this bank. If you've been walking around talking to people at South by Southwest, everyone is talking about Silicon Valley Bank. And I just... This is so emblematic of my trip here. Yesterday at JFK Airport, I'm like coming on the flight here. Everyone's chattering about it in line. And this woman uh, was in front of me and she was talking to her friend while she was on a Zoom call. And she was telling her friend, like, I'm on a Zoom call, but I'm just talking to you. Uh, My camera's off and I'm on mute, which is fine. I have done it too. And then something happens and she holds up her phone and they were obviously talking to the bank. And she turns on her camera, she unmutes, and then she just loudly says, I have a Bitcoin. And then she turned on her camera. <laughs> it's all she needed to tell. And I was like, I'm definitely going back to South by Southwest. It's been a few years. <laughs> I have not been in a crowd. Like, no one even looked. Everyone was like exclaiming you have a Bitcoin is like totally normal. Did she say it in a proud way? Like the company is saved. I have a Bitcoin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like. Uh. <laughs> all right. Tell us what's going on in this bank. Okay, so there's a bank, SVB. They were like one of the main banks for all the, the, the founders, all the startups in Silicon Valley. And that's why everybody liked them. For like 40 years. For, they've been like... Yeah, they've the, been, since yeah. 1983, they have been the bank. And everybody has put their money in them. Everybody has put a lot of money into them. But the thing is, most of the people that put money in don't need loans. And that's how banks make money. So SVB was like, well, in, you know, we're going to diversify. We'll, we'll, we'll do loans. We'll do a lot of like vineyard like support that's giving. how they diversified because the 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 valley people like yeah yeah so they they're like vineyards. giving money to vineyards and stuff like that but then they were also like we're gonna buy a lot of bonds and we're gonna buy government bonds and they're nice and stable this is great unless interest rates go up then things start to get kind of bad for them and the interest rates go up they have a little crunch of like two billion dollars in cash and they're like everybody calm down we know we don't have this. Like, we're getting the money. Don't worry yeah. about it. It's fine. Famously, your bank telling you to calm down inspires calm. And it, yeah, <laughs> it totally worked. It totally worked. Jamie Everyone, Diamond's like, calm down. Everybody said, we're fine. This is great. They did not, actually. They, there was a run on the bank, um, largely led by a lot of like founders, A16Z, I think, a couple of the other ones were like, yes, take all of your money out. They called other people. They said, get all the money out. And they shut down the bank. They just said, nope, hold up. We need to get money to people. We can't do this anymore. So the bank is shut down. It sounds like it's right now there's an auction happening and another bank is going to buy the bank. So everybody's money will presumably be okay. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Yeah. That one person in her Bitcoin. She's doing great. <laughs> She's fine. She's yeah. fine. So, so it, SVB is done. It's done as a it's bank. Gone. It's gone. And it's going to get purchased and somebody's going to be really happy with all they've, they've purchased. And some people are like trying to figure out what happened here. Like, 
Was it because the Fed decided to raise, raise interest rates? Was it because there was this liquidity crunch? Was it because the founders... Oh, sorry, keep, you're good. Keep going. The conspiracy theory is like, it's so, it's so close. close. I'm Peter worried about Thiel, you. Oh, my God. <laughs> what if Peter Thiel had the bank run happen so that he can kickstart a new Web3 financial institution? And that's Verchest, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite. Unclear. Everybody that's your asks, favorite. That's There's more. Favorite. No, no. Well, that's, that, <laughs> Several that's other it. Options. That's it. <laughs> What the moon happen? did it. Yeah, the moon did it. He's up. Actually, Peter Thiel is on the moon. He's got a moon. You got to stop invoking his name, man. I'm He's going to show up and just shut appearing? us down. Alex uh, used to work at Gawker. This is a real thing that happened. I know. Here. If he kills two companies, wow, I'll be yeah. very impressed. But unlikely that's what really happened. What really happened was everybody panicked. They freaked out. It's like Silicon Valley has a tendency to groupthink. See, everybody was invested into crypto and now everybody's like, AI is the new crypto. Let's go. They, they move in waves in a big pack. And so the whole pack went, oh, oh, we got to get out of here. And, and the bank died because of the groupthink. Yeah. So we obviously everyone here is talking about it. The assumption is that some bank will buy it. Everyone will yeah. be made whole. But this weekend, what people are talking about is, will it be able to make payroll? Uh, our company banks there, our credit cards were shut down, which is deeply funny, uh, <laughs> mostly because the race to float South by Southwest for chase points among our staff was <laughs> out of control. Intense. And David and I both lost. Yeah. Like, I was like, I'll float. And like, already, it was already done. Sorry, it was already like, done. Somebody had already line. done it. She's like, don't worry. I got you. And the points. It's done. So that that's as much as it has hit us so far. But that is... A real situation because Silicon Valley Bank, and I was talking to some other founders here, they would give loans to startups yeah. uh, with just ridiculous backstories. Like, if you try to go get a loan as a startup and you're like, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to. You go to uh, Chase. We're going to charge people money to chat on the internet. Chase says leave. And we're going to call our workplace software Slack. <laughs> can, we get, can we get a line of credit? Uh, most banks are like, no, that doesn't make any sense. Silicon Valley Bank is like, we know your investors, we know your founders, we know the SaaS business. Well, and there's one really important piece to this is also it's 1995, the first yeah. time you're doing this, right? Like this is Silicon Valley Bank started because nobody would give these companies loans because they were like, what's the internet? Who are you? How does money work? No. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you don't, you can sell things to humans and we'll give you a loan and- Silicon Valley Bank was the one who showed up and they were like, they did they did deals in equity. They did deals with founders who couldn't get loans. Otherwise, like they built relationships with They would do the mortgages industry. for the founders right, and founders, the founders could have nice houses. Well, and because the founders didn't have like stable jobs, right? Yeah. So they're, they're a financial institution that was designed around this particular innovation cycle. Which was really good to them for a really long time. And then when they said, calm down, like everyone bailed because everyone's in group chats together. And mm -hmm. this is like the funniest part. Uh, it was easy because you can just like push a button and take your money out. Yeah, they'd made it very, very like everybody else is like, no, you got to like wait six weeks. Yeah. Maybe you'll get your money. Maybe we'll take a this little This is a crime of user interface. Yeah. They made it too good. They made it too easy. If, if the user interface of this bank was a little shittier, it would have survived. <laughs> a lesson for us all. Be just a little shitty. But that piece of the puzzle, when it gets bought by whoever buys it, Chase, right. Wells Fargo, whatever, that bank is going to have the, not the risk tolerance of Silicon Valley Bank, which just means the ripple effect into the tech ecosystem is going to carry forward. Like 100%. the short term, everyone will get funded and fine. Hopefully the money comes back. Fingers crossed. It sounds like a lot of the payroll is is starting to come out. Like yeah. they, a lot of people have gone and made partnerships with other banks and stuff to at least get people paid. Mm -hmm. So it's like a big interruption. A lot of people are working. I bet some of the computers open right now are like trying to figure out what's happening with their money at the bank. But it sounds like hopefully the end of this weekend. Right. And I just think that medium to long term 
change for this industry is a rates are high, so like startups are whatever. Like the venture dollar is not flowing anyway, and then you've got a financial institution inside of this whole puzzle yes. that is no longer as open to risk as that bank was. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that was I think it was Gary Tan, the CEO of Y Combinator, who was saying basically like the two things that are about to happen are a whole generation of startups are about to die, uh, which I think might be slightly overstated, but not that much, especially if it takes a long time for this stuff to shake out. And then there's a whole generation of startups that aren't going to get founded because there's just not the money or yeah. relationships to do it now. And like, we won't know how true either of those statements are for a long time, which I think is the thing that is nerve wracking to a lot of people right now. Yeah. This is not, I think, not as big of a scandal as the moon. <laughs> America's only ongoing crisis. Sure. Yeah. Is the moon real? Uh, but it's big. It, like it rocked the industry we covered. It's all anybody want to talk about to us. It's all anybody to talk about here. And I, I, it's that medium to long term who is going to accept the risk of being the banking institution for a bunch of founders. I mean, you got to do something before you sell your company to Google. And it's like we're on a startup, you know, and that, that ecosystem is like withering. Well, and it's, it's so cyclical, right? Because there was that basically from like the, the sort of recovery from the 2008 crisis until like last year the single best thing you could do was just throw money at any startup you could find, right? Yeah. Like everybody was raising money every 15 minutes, uh, which is part of the problem was everybody raised so much money and then was like, oh, we need to actually spend some of that money. And that was part of what caused this problem for Silicon Valley Bank. But now we're entering this phase where it's like, we're still in this awkward phase where it's like, how bad is the economy going to get? How long is it going to last? What are we going to do about it? What does it mean for me? And everybody's just like, I don't know. Right. So there's like the, this this sort of gap period is just of this like unknown length and in this industry that moves so fast. And especially you have all these people who just got laid off. And the theory two months ago was we're about to have this giant wave of new yeah, startups yeah. because there are all these people who used to work at Meta and Amazon and these other companies who were going to go found new companies. And now there's just no money to do it. And now that money situation has gotten even scarier for the people who might hire those people. So it's just like the, the unknowns just like ripple on top of each other here. And there's yeah. just no... Like, hopefully we get back on Monday and somebody has bought these assets and it starts to get better. And I just want to emphasize this point David's making, which is 2008, right? Last financial crisis. You just put your mind back there. That was one year after the iPhone came out. And that was also the year the App Store was introduced. And that wave of like, we're going to, we lost our jobs. There's a wave of energy in the Valley. We're going to make we're gonna, We're going to build new companies for this opportunity. It's, it's all right there, right? And you, so the generation of these massive companies was built in that moment, in that particular economic condition. That's what people thought now. I think we, this is our next term, we should talk about AI, but like, that's why I think we spent a lot of time last year talking about crypto and the metaverse, and now why we're talking about AI. Like, that is the platform shift that people think is coming. Well, will they're looking for that platform next shift. Size of, yeah. yeah. Or if you're Mark Zuckerberg, you're just ramming what you think. Just that, ramming just, it in, hoping people uh, like it. Brain in a vat. Ooh. Just get in the vat and look at, <laughs> I don't have legs, get... I'm Mark Zuckerberg, and I need you to be in this Enjoy vat. Enjoy Metaverse. <laughs> You're going to like it. Get in the... I I like the Quest 2. The I'm Quest just, 2 is good. I'm just going to be honest. Get in the Metaverse is also time, a pretty good tagline. Every time <laughs> I put it on, I think of Mark Zuckerberg's dream, which is that my, I will have no legs and like experience advertising in this he's way. Just a little cartoon. Uh, but that's his bet, right? He, he knows he's controlled by Apple. Everyone else is chasing a Metaverse play because you don't have to pay 30% to Apple or Google to like build... In this ecosystem, yeah. that's where all the crypto energy came from. And you would think, like David's saying, this moment, this particular set of financial conditions, whatever you think the platform shift is, you would give birth to the next right. Amazon, Meta, Google, whatever. And maybe not. Yeah, in in like if this was, you know, 2013 instead of 2023, there would be a 10 new 
startups built on chat GPT showing up like every 15 minutes. Like I would be getting pitches in my inbox well, David, on, we built a weird chat Let me tell you what happened bot. while you were having a baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, Things happened, David. Things happened. It did happen. It hasn't stopped. And the problem is they can use chat GPT to write the emails. <laughs> so it's just a self-perpetuating loop. Hey, David, back here in the studio. We're going to take a quick break, which we forgot to do during the live show, and then you'll hear me talk about all the chat GPT news I missed while I was out. It took three months, and I have a lot of thoughts and feelings. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business, and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. All right, we're back with the Vergecast Live at South by Southwest. Let's get back into it. Let's talk about this. Uh, David, you experienced this from the outside. Uh, we were in it, obviously, minute to minute. And David's version of, in particular, the Microsoft hype cycle, I think, is very revealing about what it's like to be too online. Go ahead. Oh, it was amazing. So, okay, so I, I had a baby in December, which was like right as ChatGPT was becoming a thing. So... I, I have this distinct memory. Like, this was the first time, like, as a person who is in the news business, I, like, read the news 24 hours a day. And if all of you are like that, I'm so, so, so very sorry. But I got to experience the news like a normal person, which is just, like, I look at it, and then I go do other things. <laughs> <laughs> and then I come look at it again later. It was great. But I have this distinct memory of, like, basically going back and trying to catch up on, like, three days of tech news. And I literally saw the story go from Microsoft launches Bing with like open AI stuff, chat GPT built in to chat GPT is in love with me to uh, <laughs> Bing is about to take down Google. Google is dying to where is Tim Cook? Why hasn't Apple said anything yet to, Oh no, Bing is kind of a disaster to now everybody's kind of out on chat GPT. <laughs> it like milkshake ducked itself in the time <laughs> it took me to like catch up on my RSS feeds. And it was this very revealing moment that it was like, Oh, all of this stuff moves so fast and chat GPT in particular is this thing that like the first time you try it feels so remarkable that I think everybody just sort of briefly lost their mind for like two yeah. and a half days. And now we've kind of come back down to earth where it's like, okay, this is a weird thing. That's not actually very good. Like I had somebody compare it to self-driving cars or like not that long ago where they were like, it's, it's a new technology that you can sort of immediately understand where it might go and what yeah. it might mean. It's pretty good. The distance between pretty good and really good is decades. And let's wait and see how this actually plays out. But it was just, it was very revealing. And it was like, I went to ChatGPT and was like, my baby is five days old. What, what should I do with Why him? Why did you talk to it like that? that? That's, how I, that's how I talk. That's, that's how you talk to your ChatGPT, you know? And I hit the keys like this. It's like a baby a piano, but it's a keyboard. And I just sort of mash it until... It tells me, That's no, why, this no. is just me? That's weird. Okay. This is why I can't take three months off. <laughs> yeah, David <laughs> lost a his huge mind. problem. So two things. One, I'm still coming off Sachin Nadella saying the hardest thing any CEO has ever said in an interview to me, which is that he wanted to make Google dance. <laughs> and that was the height, right? Like when the, when the CEO of Microsoft is like, I want them to know I made them dance. It's a real thing. He looked me in the eyes and he said he this. He did. He's and I was barred. Like, He's taken my business down. 
and I'm not, I don't, I'm not in the search business. You can ask me questions and I will not answer them. <laughs> so I think that's where that first part of the hype, right? Microsoft yep. is openly going to compete with yep. Google. And, and that was yes. the day Google lost like a hundred billion dollars of market value they, in one they day because Bart, Bart was weird. Yeah. Because group thing, it's just everywhere. Yeah. So yeah. that was truly strange and really interesting. And then to bring it back wait, to the wait, moon. I forgot one oh, yeah. part before we get back to the moon. <laughs> I just want to talk about the moon. Everything comes <laughs> back to the moon, that. which no, isn't the, real. The one other turn that I really enjoyed that I forgot to mention was the one where Google like raced to announce Bard because it was felt like it was left behind, which does seem to be real. Like the panic inside of Google seems to be real. But everybody was like, oh, no, Bard made a factual error in the first demo. And by like an hour and a half later, it was like Bing gets everything wrong all the time. Like, maybe this yeah. is just how this is. Bing is like, you should leave your family and kill your neighbors. And everyone's like, actually, Google's might have been right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like some dispute there. So the thing I was saying is uh, ChatGPT is fascinating because it is like medium good. Yeah. And to bring it back to the moon, no one knows what happens when millions of people get their hands on products. True. It is the one defining rule of this industry after a decade of covering it. Plus, it's like the companies are like, here's our thing. Here's what it can do. Here's how we think it's going to go. And then they launch it at scale. And then the most unhinged, wacky stuff starts to happen because no one has any control. Like when Steve Jobs invented the iPhone. Do you think that in his mind, he was like, and one day Selena Gomez and Haley Bieber will be fighting about their eyebrows? <laughs> it's like, they don't know. Apple doesn't know that's going to happen. That's all happening on their cameras. There's some iPhone camera engineer now who's like, I got to figure out the eyebrow lamination AI. <laughs> like, they're just like losing their minds because people do things with technology that's completely unpredictable. Yeah. And so ChatGPT, they built it. They worked it, uh, it. They got it to a place where it works medium good. Yeah. And I don't think what anybody realized was being able to fire a canon of mediocre text at any business model is just leads to the most unbelievable, I mean, crazy outcomes. Wasn't that just digital media's first big push? No, because the, the canon, you, like, you can, hire, you can hire a bunch of people and be like, write a bunch of stuff. The problem is that they remain people. Yes. And sometimes they don't want to work, Alex. <laughs> and sometimes they go to sleep. And <laughs> sometimes they're like... I don't want to write SEO chum for the rest of my life. Right. I have ambition. Like, yeah. whatever. Ugh. Nobody wants that. <laughs> Nobody wants ChatGPT is like SEO garbage. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> All day. All day, forever. every day. The number of TikToks that I have seen from some sort of like diet Gary Vaynerchuk, who's like, how to make money with ChatGPT. And the answer is they take our podcast transcripts. They feed them into ChatGPT. They produce a summary. They have a robot voice read the summary out loud. While another robot puts like just random pictures on it, they make thousands of them a day. They put them on YouTube and they collect pennies like per thousand videos that they make. But it's all automated. So they just at scale start to make thousands of dollars. That's what I mean by you can point a canon yeah. of text at a business model. And like YouTube, Neil Mohan, the new SVP of YouTube, he was not anticipating that a canon of mediocre text would be fired at YouTube's rev share. Yeah. And now he's paying those server costs and he's paying the ingest costs. And like, that is nuts. Like even at YouTube scale, that's enough to move the needle. And all those views, all those minutes of attention at scale are being taken away from real creators. And so you just see this cycle where it's like, oh, you thought we were going to compete with Google. You thought this whole thing was going to happen. And you ask the robot questions and it will tell you how many two by fours fit in the back of a Ford Ranger which is, that was like Microsoft's demo. Yeah. And it turns out people do not want to do that. They're like, do you love me? <laughs> 
Right? Like, Are my eyes pretty? I'll just go to the store. We'll just put two by fours in there until they don't fit anymore. That's fine. Does the robot want a bone at this time? <laughs> and that, and you get the front page. Next time. We, I saw Kevin Roos last night. He's still just like rocked by this experience he had. Right. And it's like all anybody wants to do is someone like have someone to talk to. And at the end of it, be like, but we could. And chat GPT is like, <laughs> definitely. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Well, those bots have existed before that. I think that's the thing I keep getting confused by chat GPT is like, I had, I had AIM, I had AOL, and you, you would talk to the little bots on there. And you could have some pretty like in-depth conversations. They would quickly not make sense. But in your head, your teenage head, you'd be like, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah. So I don't see like a huge difference between the two. I, I think it's not. And like, I, it's like Smarter Child on AIM is like, a whole generation's first experience with chatbots and it's the same thing like we've been personifying these things as long as they've existed right and yeah. it's like you can you can hear it say a thing like you know the time in alaska is 6 a.m and you're like it's a person it knows me and, it's like, <laughs> Does it? uh, and i think chat gpt is a real like step change in how good it is and how much stuff it can do right yeah. like there are there are things it can do that are genuinely new and Every time that happens, we do it all over again, where we're like, oh, my God, this is real. It's sentient. This is happening. And then we turn around and it's like, no, it's just it's just it's really just good. definitely telling you what you want. It's to hear. fancy autocorrect. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. that's. But I will say a robot that will always tell you what you want to hear is, I mean, like maybe the end state of humanity. Very validating. So we ran a piece on I think LinkedIn is starting to integrate it. Slack is starting to integrate it. A lot of workplace software is starting to integrate it. And Notion. Notions sort of integrated. It all kind of makes sense. Like, what's that classic thing you do in Slack? You're like, how do I file an expense report? And the answer is you can't because the bank has failed. <laughs> a little bit of an edge case for ChatGPT, but like, you know, and like sometimes I go to a person, but that's like fine to like go talk to a robot about. The turn, I think, is particularly on the social networks. James Vincent wrote about this this week for us. We're like your AI on the on like LinkedIn. We'll start talking to another AI on LinkedIn and they will start like work fluencing each other. Yes. And like they'll just brand activate themselves into oblivion. That's how we get Skynet, but for marketing. Uh, and then there's this concept out there uh, called heaven banning. So all of you, I'm sure, have been forced to learn about shadow banning from Elon Musk. It's just a word that he just made happen to us. Heaven banning is the opposite concept where instead of being like reduced in presence, you just flood the user's mentions with AI that makes it seem like they're in a perfect world of agreement. Yeah. And then you just silo them into like their AI version of Twitter, <laughs> which is kind terrifying. of like, which is like that might be Elon Musk's experience on Twitter where it's just like millions of bots telling me smart. And he's it, like, I can do whatever I it want. It would work that a hundred percent, like it's a perfect, <laughs> perfect strategy for Elon Musk and for anybody. But this is what I mean. If you can fire this cannon of medium quality text, it anything yeah like just weird things start to happen and i think what we're we all thought it was going to be search and it turns out it's all this other weirdness well have you guys seen uh have you met any prompt engineers at south by southwest you, okay i incur they're here yeah. they're, they're floating around in the in the wings waiting to pitch their prompt engineering start uh, startups to you and so if you don't know what prompt engineering is to get chat GBT or Bing or bar or whatever to do exactly what you want, you can write these very complicated prompts. Yeah. And they all have like, I don't know. They all sound like therapy to me. Like you're doing robot therapy. Like imagine that you're successful. <laughs> now make me a list of what a successful person on a diet would eat for the next four days, but do it in a gentle way. And it's like, <laughs> how is this a company? You have a company that makes these. Uh, and there's a million of them here. 
And this is like a weird local maximum in the arc of these. Because the ch like chat GPT, open AI does not want prompt engineering to exist. Right. Right. It's like, what if we had the most emotional command line interface to all of <laughs> humanity's knowledge possible? And like five companies are building front front ends and they just like generate the prompts for you. And like we should disintermediate that. Like there should not be a company between you and chat GPT. It should be us, open AI, that builds a good interface for this. But this minute where prompt engineering is a thing and I honestly, like if you're here, just go listen to the pitch. The sincerity which with people are like, I can computer whisper so much that I made a company. It's amazing. And you're like, can you show me a prompt? And the prompt, they're all like this. They're like, imagine that you're an expert and they tell chat GPT to be an expert. It feels like you always have to whisper it. It's, yeah. it's like it's it's like slowly petting the computer as it, <laughs> as it like whispers ASMR. sweet nothings in its ear. Uh, yeah. I just think like it's, of all of the sort of like startup classes, every year at South by Southwest, there's like a class of startups that's yeah. like really emblematic. And this is the one to me that it's like, Oh man, like this is definitely like they're going to Sherlock the hell out of you <laughs> or they'll acquire one and that'll be the end of it. But I, I think it's to me, it, the number of people who are using it, right? The sort of widespread knowledge of what it is and how you can use it and the entertaining aspect. And then the fact that it is still hard to use because you have an ocean of companies that like we can make it a little easier to use. That's the gap. It might be the opportunity, but I think it represents what you're saying is like, it's not quite good enough. Yeah, the, the UI on top of all of that is unsolved. And it turns out like a blank text box to the internet is not actually a good user interface because you're just going to ask it like what its butt looks like. And that's, <laughs> that's where this all ends. They were just not ready for that. No, but I think to just to bring it back to search for one second, like one thing that I've been hearing from a couple of people is that like you, you talk about the cannon firing text onto the internet. The thing that's going to happen is now the search engines are indexing all of that and all that data goes back into the AI. So we're going to start, we have this crazy circular thing where like OpenAI is now building tools that will help you detect the stuff that's made by OpenAI such that you don't trust it very much and don't feed it back into your search algorithms. So we're going to end up at this point where like if we do this wrong, Bing is going to be literally answering its own questions with its own information yes. that is largely wrong. And we're just going to spiral into this insane place but it loves you david but it loves me so much it wants you to leave <laughs> your family I should leave my wife and child <laughs> so i think all that's true i it's a virtual so i have to talk about cover off for like five seconds okay. 45 minutes all right the number of lawsuits that are already happening against stability ai against open ai from people who don't want their data scraped yes is very high uh microsoft's answer to me and i saw his pr person just like wince when he was like fair use and i was like i can't ruin everyone's day. <laughs> I don't want to do this right now, man. That's the wrong answer. So there's a bunch of fair use cases about search. The funniest one to, uh, to bring up is Perfect 10 v. Google, where like the booby magazine, Perfect 10 sued Google for lifting its images. And the judge was like, this just helps people find links to your content. And to the American justice system had to really seriously contend with perfect and <laughs> what it represents. And that is the foundation of fair use for search engines in this country. That is a true story. Beautiful. That doesn't apply when you're just boosting it, right? The fourth factor of this analysis is, are you replacing the market for the original work? Right. Right. So most of the Google fair use cases, most of the search cases are like on that factor. You're not, you're actually creating a market for the work. You search Google, they pull data in. They're obviously reusing it. They're remixing it. They might be showing you thumbnails, whatever, but then they're sending you to it. Right. So they've, they've actually Theoretically. Uh, they've opened your market for the work. They haven't shut it off. They have not replaced your work. 
well, man, that's, that's less not, and less true over time. Yeah. yeah. That's well, first, like the number of zero click searches on Google is going up. So Google keeps you on our pages way more often. Someone from Yelp is about to like jump over a bush and tell us what that exact number is. Like they talk about it all the time. <laughs> and then with the AIs, they're just going to answer the question. They are just going to replace the work. So there's, I would say, about a decade of extremely complicated copyright litigation coming up. And it's not just artists think that you can type make a picture in the style of this artist and replace their work. It's the training data. It's the display of the training data. It's how do you get to keep it? So here's this insane concept in copyright law. It's the ephemeral copy. So everything you do on your computer is a copy. Yeah. And so in the early days of computers, there was a lawsuit. Some enterprise software company sued some other company that was just installing their software onto computers. They were just buying the software and they were installing it. And they're like, you are not authorized to make that copy. To take it from the disk to the store, it's the RAM of the computer, you need a license from us. Law that was a lawsuit in the 80s. Yeah. We're like right back in this spot, right? Like everything that happens on a computer, even just to get a bit from the storage to your display is like 50,000 copies. Yeah. And so like the law is basically like those don't count, they don't exist. You have a training, you're training an AI, necessarily you are making 50,000 copies to point the AI at that database. And there's just no body of law that can contend with it. And it's like, yeah. think about judges. Just a mat, close your eyes. Like, imagine a judge. Everybody, what's your That's judge? That's what I do like? every day. Long, flowing white wig. Yeah. yeah. It's George Washington. That's what everyone's thinking. Of. We all know it. Yeah. Have you seen the AI rendering of George Washington? It's hot, by the way. Best use what? of AI. He has like chin implants. It's great. I spend a lot of time on the internet. <laughs> but just like imagine a judge having to be like, stability AI is in my courtroom. And I have to know what a computer, how a computer works. And my decision here will shape the economy for the next 10 years. Mm. I, I, I don't not, think it's going to go well. I was like, I'm not optimistic about that. Yeah. But all these companies are used to just running fast enough that regulators are never able to keep up. Like, we're just now arguing about the ad market. It's like, we're going <laughs> to... These, these lawsuits will though. happen in 2062. It's going to be great. I'm looking it's forward not, to it. I don't, like, copyright law is the only law on the internet. It's the only law in my town. <laughs> Here in Slack City. 17 USC. <laughs> Stop. Okay, one more break, and then we're going to take some questions from the audience, which miraculously did not all boil and leave in the hot sun. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome back. Let's get to a few questions that we got from the audience at South by Southwest. I got one over here. Oh, man, we got a Verge t-shirt. Hell yeah. Look at that. That's a good fit. That's good. Yeah, so um, TikTok is at the Expo Center trade show, and they're talking about trust and safety, talking about your data in the U.S., creating jobs in the U.S. Is that something that is, you know, with recent news, uh, something that they're starting, or have they been doing that in, like, other trade shows that have been out there? Oh, no, they've been on a full press tour. Um, so the CEO has appeared uh, on a bunch of panels. Their COO, Vanessa Pappas, has been out and about. They have these things called transparency centers they've opened, which is basically like a, like a kid's museum for trust and safety. I don't know how else to describe it. It's like you go to the exhibits and like you moderate some content that's bad. And they're like, this is the room with the data in it. Do you think it's working? 
doesn't seem like it's working. I think our time with TikTok is not long for this world. Is my, it's the rare bi- bipartisan. We can be angry at the tech industry and China, and we can irritate all the teenagers in the world. That's just a win for everybody. It's such a perfectly unprovable thing in both directions. Like, there's no way for TikTok to like successfully, perfectly prove that it is a good steward of your data. And there's also no perfect good way to prove that it isn't. So everybody's just going to get mad about politics. And you're right, because it's because China and is an easy thing to get everybody riled up against right now. And TikTok is an easy way to get everybody riled up against China. I think you're probably like right or wrong. I think you're probably right that TikTok is not long for our app stores. Yeah. I mean, theoretically, there is a way to prove that they're being bad stewards of data. We just haven't like had the whistleblowers or had that story break. But sure, theoretically, we'll we, we're out, we're like running out of time. I want to share with one or yeah, two more. Two, yeah. Anybody else over here? Thank y'all. Appreciate it. Um, this was my first time ever listening to y'all's podcast. Oh no! I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's always like this. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Sometimes it's longer. No, I really enjoyed it, and um, I'm also very, very new to the tech industry as well. So I guess I'm asking, what would be a good way to orientate myself, like in the industry, and just kind of learn more, like absorb more information that I heard, so I can understand like the moon theories a little oh, bit more deeper. Can you? <laughs> All right. Readtheverge.com. Yeah, Verge.com. Well, David is, very good is our yeah, Readtheverge.com. <laughs> David is our like normie anthropologist. He just spent three months amongst the normals. <laughs> Tell us, David. Okay, this may not be a popular answer, but my actual answer was has been newsletters. Like I, I became the thing for me was like not somebody who wants to spend every second on Twitter. The real answer is like get weird into Twitter for a while, and then you'll eventually hate Twitter, and that's when you're like fully in the tech industry. Like you've made it when you've come all the way around on Twitter. But if you feel like a bank run is a good idea, you've made it. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. But there are for me, it was like there there are a bunch of really great tech newsletters out there. We have a couple of them. Yeah, command line platformer. Yeah, and I think there's so much happening, and most of it is nonsense that like. Finding a couple of places, you can sort of be in the nonsense as much as you want, but then having a couple of like publications or places or newsletters that you trust to like actually like take a beat and think about it, for me at least, has been super instructive. I feel like it's really easy to just get caught in like the swirl of yeah. the new thing that everybody's obsessed with, whether it's like killing Silicon Valley Bank or having sex with AI. Or the moon. But, like, yeah, That's finding- new? You're only newly obsessed with that? <laughs> uh, the thing I would say is, to David's point, it's focus, right? This industry is really big. Everyone's always talking about the next thing. And you can actually just drill down into one piece and have that be really rewarding. And you just figure out which of that piece. For us, it has historically been, like, consumer products. And the thing that has been really challenging and fun and interesting these past few years is every product is now a consumer product. Like, Slack is a great consumer product that happens to be sold as enterprise software. You just go on and on. The bank software is too easy to use. It's <laughs> because they made it a consumer product. And I, that little bit of focus, like what's my angle? Like how do I prove or disprove whatever little passionate idea that I have? That's usually been the work for us. I think we're, I think we're out of time. Uh, we've gone over. What yep. a surprise here at the Vergecast. <laughs> I want to thank Slack for having us here in Slack City. They will not play the Tiger song Rack City as we exit the stage, which I've asked them to do. I don't think that's their vibe, but just to <laughs> Matt know that it's been in my head this entire time. All right, that's it for the Vergecast today. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks to everyone who showed up at the event live. The audience was bigger and cooler than we expected. It was really fun. There's a whole lot more stuff from this conversation on TheVerge.com, especially about the moon. We put some links in the show notes, but go to TheVerge.com. We're covering all of this stuff practically every day right now. And if you have thoughts, feedback, feelings, or taco recommendations for places I missed and need to go to next year, you can always email us at VergeCast at TheVerge.com or 
call the hotline, 866-VERGE-11. We're going to do a big hotline episode really soon, and we might answer your questions in a future episode. This show is produced by Andrew Marino and Liam James, and Brooke Minters is our editorial director of audio. The Vergecast is a Verge production and part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. We'll be back on Friday with more of the Verge crew talking about all of the biggest news happening in tech this week, including, I just assume, the moon again. We'll see you then. Rock and roll. Rock and roll.